Many people believe that we as a species are headed directly into the belly of the most global, most catastrophic energy crisis we've ever seen. But most people cannot agree on who's at fault. What do you believe? We are witnessing the end of what we might have seen as abundance. What is this winter gonna look like for some of the largest economies on earth, and especially for the main powers, the UK, Germany, and France? Shops have to turn off window lights after 10 p.m. However, street lighting will not be affected. Natural gas shortages are particularly worrying. Gas producers haven't kept up with the bounce back in demand from pandemic lows. Europe is struggling. The continent is facing an energy crisis. The Spanish government has mandated that offices and stores cannot set their cooling systems below 27 degrees Celsius. A message from Excel on his thermostat saying temperature locked during an energy emergency. When thousands of Excel customers in Colorado tried adjusting their thermostats Tuesday, they learned they couldn't. Customers enrolled in the Colorado AC Rewards Program sign up to get money back, but give up some control for the greater good. California is on the verge of rolling blackouts, declaring a level three energy emergency. Governor Gavin Newsom announced that the state was moving towards exclusively selling electric vehicles. He's now asking residents to avoid charging their EVs in order to conserve energy. We are anticipating uh, this extreme heat to be a length in duration likes of which we haven't experienced in some time. I've heard two sides of this argument. The most conventional side of it is that since the 1970s, we've had diminishing returns on investment of extraction of oil. And ever since then, we've been barreling, forgive the pun, towards peak oil. Now, the other side of the argument is the abiotic oil theory, and that says that oil is not actually a fossil fuel at all. How do we know this? Well, geologists will say that no fossils can be found lower than a depth of 16,000 feet. Why then can we drill down to 30,000 feet and extract fossil fuels from there? Because they're not fossil fuels, says the abiotic oil theorists. They blame it on John D. Rockefeller. Go figure. There's many reasons for this, but the bottom line is they say that John D. Rockefeller wanted to make oil seem scarce so he could charge the top dollar prices. And they actually believe, the abiotic oil theorists, that oil is the second most prevalent liquid on planet Earth, and it replenishes itself far quicker than we could ever pump it. In the beginning of the 19th century, oil went from a, just a lubricant to a fuel, and it made it valuable. And Rockefeller happened to be the smartest man in the business at the time. They hit on the idea that they would have to make it appear to be scarce. That, that boy, after we take the next few barrels out, we're probably going to have to close as well, you know, that kind of thing. Well, a very fortuitous event. In 1892, there was a convention in Geneva of scientists to determine what organic substances are. Well, the definition of organic is a substance with hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. And so it's usually a living substance, a tree. Rockefeller took advantage of sending some scientists over who said oil, petroleum, is hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. Therefore, it must be derived from the, uh, the spoiling, the rotting 
of formerly living matter. There has never been a fossil, a, a, a real fossil, found below 16,000 feet. We mine oil, or we, we drill for oil, at 30,000, 33,000, 28,000 every day of the week. So right there, we rule it out that it isn't fossil fuel. Actually, if you know the world's oil supply, you know that it is not going to run out for an awfully long time. It is the second most prevalent liquid on Earth. Well, no. That really flies in the face of Nate Hagen's work. If you've seen the film, The Great Simplification, he says that we've been drawing upon these oil and hydrocarbon reserves hundreds of thousands of times, possibly millions of times faster than it could ever regenerate itself. Now, I know that many of you would like to fall on one side of the debate or the other. Some of you would like to come up with a third way so you can feel a little bit more involved and engaged in the debate. I've come up with my own way and that's where I stand and I exile and reject the other ideas. But there is a transcendent way. Have you ever sat and practiced the skill of sitting in that awkward space called uncertainty? You can be lied to as easily by government as you can by independent researchers. You can be misled unintentionally by government or independent researchers or your best friends. This is not to say that one is right, the other is wrong. This is to say that life is not really about coming to our intellectual conclusions, but actually staying open to how the paradox can be held at the same time because many of these realities seem antithetical to one another. They seem to cancel one another out, but that is not what a paradox is. A paradox are two seemingly contradictory realities that exist in reality, but it is our mind that cannot wrap around it because our understanding of reality is incomplete. That is the importance of sitting in that space of uncertainty. Most of us, with this ancient impulse inside of us, feeling like the, if there are important topics, we must come to some kind of conclusion because that is the only way I know if I am safe or not. So how do we come to these conclusions? We look around at the people around us if our environment cannot tell us the answer. And the people, we rely on their second-hand potentially anecdotal ideas of whether this argument or that argument is correct. Nowadays, we pretty much read things online or watch videos on YouTube. This is not to say any of this is wrong. This is just to say the tools are changing, but the path is the same. Can you sit in that space of uncertainty? Many of us want to be so right, we are so anxious not having conclusions that we will defend our rightness as much as we possibly can and we will completely ignore the biases that our conclusions have been built upon. This is why I am suggesting that we find that middle path. Is it John D. Rockefeller's fault? Is abiotic oil theory correct? Or is the regular fossil fuel conventional theory correct? And are we barreling towards peak oil? Or is this a way that the universe has conspired to get you to crack open the rigidity of your consciousness so you can awaken it into a new field where neither has to be rejected 
and you can grow beyond the confines that other minds that have refused to grow have limited for you. Are you willing to sit in that space of uncertainty? Because many would say, we are headed straight into the belly of an energy crisis. And we may be. And some would say, it's a contrived one. It's a false flag. And any problems that we face in this next decade are because of an institution or a certain group of elite people. Others would say, don't be so paranoid. This is just the super organism at work. We've been energy hungry and we've lived beyond our means for far too long. Which one's right? Does only one of them have to be? Or can you sit in that awkward space in between and watch as the world displays itself and shows you that this is a tool to awaken consciousness, not to cause a rift between separate ideological camps. I hope you can take this to heart. I hope you can stay attuned to the uncertainty of where this next decade is going to take humanity. Help your brothers and sisters. Stay engaged with what the problems might be, but don't give in to the ideas of how dire our human circumstance truly is. Listen to that voice from within, and you may hear that there is actually a middle way that only you and your uniqueness could have ever come up with. That's the artist. Find that artist within, and I'll catch you all next time on Waking Infinity News. Thank you.